Welcome to Life is Love School. Hi everyone, welcome back to Life is Love School. The topic I'm covering today is how do you have a successful or healthy fight with a partner? So before I get into that topic, I want to uncover a misconception, which is a lot of people think that a good relationship is where two people never fight. In fact, you might hear couples say, oh, we never fight. But that's generally not a healthy situation. In fact, it could be a signal that one or both people have checked out of the relationship, so they're no longer emotionally invested. They don't no longer care or they're suppressing their emotions and they're not sharing their feelings. And that in the long term will bring up uh, more and more resentment that will build up and could eventually explode. So that's actually unhealthy. In a relationship, two people are never going to always think the same. They're not gonna feel the same way about things. So having disagreements is going to be common, it's gonna be expected. The question is not whether there's going to be disagreements because it's going to be there. The question is how are the two people resolving the conflict? And in fact, whether a couple can resolve conflict successfully is one of the best indicators of the longevity of the relationship. So it's not about whether couples fight or not, it's about whether they can fight in a healthy way. So now I'll go over several points about how to do so in a healthy way. So point number one is seek to listen first. So this is so important because a lot of times we're so eager to get our point across. We want the partner to hear us, to understand what we need from them, and they're feeling the same way. So if both people are coming at each other with strong demands, et cetera, that's not going to go very far. But in fact, what we can do is to be the bigger person and extend the willingness to listen first. So that's why they say seek to understand before being understood. So how do you do that? You could simply do that by saying, Please share how you feel and what you need from me. I would love to hear more. And as they share, make sure you're truly listening. You're not just bidding your time. And then when they're pausing, ask them, is there more that you'd like to tell me? Tell me more. Right? Literally prompt them to continue to make sure that they put everything out on the table. The really important thing is to truly be there and be present and actually listening. A lot of times you see people pretending to be listening, but what they're doing is actually bidding their time, watching their clock to see when the uh, partner is gonna be done so that we could share a point of view. If you've ever been on a phone call with a friend and you realize that the friend is actually checked out, so you're talking to her and she might be writing an email, you can always tell just from the voice alone even though you're not face-to-face. -face. So imagine if you could tell just by voice alone how much more telling it is in person if you're actually mentally checked out. So don't just say that you're listening to your partner, but actually be there and listening. So this is crucial because when you do listen, then you gain the partner's trust and then their defensiveness is going to go down. So that is the step number one because it's super important. So step number two is to be able to listen with an empathetic and compassionate heart. So this is important because unless our partner is 
has done a lot of work on herself or learn how to communicate very skillfully, a lot of times when the emotion is strong, they may say things that could offend us. So I'll give an example. Let's say that your partner's complaint is that you work a lot and that he doesn't get to see you during the week. And during the weekend, instead of spending time at home, you go out um, spending time with your girlfriends, etc. And so the partner might say, I know you work a lot during the week. I barely ever see you. And during the weekend, I was hoping that we could spend some time and that you could spend more time with the kids, but instead you're out with your friends. You're so selfish, right? So the last part comes across as an accusation. And at that point, you might feel very irritated. So instead of feeling resentment or irritation or anger towards your partner for the accusation, if you could take a moment and breathe and then try to listen for the feelings and the needs that is expressed, perhaps unskillfully by your partner. So in this case, you could then paraphrase to your partner to say, if I got this correct, what I'm hearing is that you would like to have more time with me. You feel like you don't have enough time with me during the week. And on the weekends, I'm also out with friends. So what you like to change is, so what you're doing here is the third important step, which is not only listen with an empathetic heart, but also seeking confirmation that you actually understood your partner. A lot of times we might assume that we understand our partner, but we actually don't. When two people are communicating, one person may say things a certain way. We hear things through our own filter, and that's where misunderstandings can happen. So instead of assuming automatically that I understood everything, just paraphrase it for your partner. So this not only ensures there's no misunderstanding, but again, it echoes point number one, it makes your partner really feel heard. So point number three is paraphrase and assure and ask your partner, did I get this right? Right, literally say this, did I understand you correctly? If not, please correct me. So that's very important. And then another important thing, which is point number four, is to try to resolve the problem as a team. So a lot of times people get into this, I win, you lose, I'm here to win the argument at all costs, but realize that when you're in a marriage or a partnership, you guys are on the same team. So literally imagine in your mind that the problem is in front of you and that the two of you are teammates trying to tackle the problem together. It's not you against him or you against her, but the two of you against the problem. So a funny problem that a lot of partners get into is called the 5.30 p.m. problem, which is people come home from work and one person wants to talk about his day immediately and she may want to take a shower or do something relaxing first before reconvening and they get into an argument and this just happens every day. It's like a recurring scuffle. So these kind of recurring things over minor issues can really add up over time, the frustration. And what you need to do in this case is actually to solve a problem at the root. So you can imagine sitting with your partner on a day where you're not fighting over this and maybe writing down the issue in, in a piece of paper, on a piece of paper, and the two of you sitting together and say, how can we resolve this? When you do that, the resolution comes very clearly. But if you don't tackle it, you're going to get into this loop where you're constantly running into the same issue over and over again, which wears down the relationship. 
So a simple solution in this case might be you just agree to take 15 minutes each to do whatever you need to do and then to meet up to talk about your day afterwards, right? A simple solution. But when couples don't take the time to solve the problem, it sort of just bugs them constantly and day after day for no good reason at all. A lot of times these fights are over seemingly minor things that people simply did not take the time to think through the problem and how to solve it as a team. So that's point number four is find a pattern and resolve the issue at the root so it doesn't keep recurring. So point number five is to call timeout. So earlier I mentioned that if one of the partners says things such as you're so selfish, name calling, or a lot of complaining, it may start to escalate the fight and one or both partners then might feel really flooded. The term flooded refers to the, uh, what happens in the brain when our brain is flooded with um, cortisol, glucocorticoid, which is a stress hormone. So when our brain is flooded with it, it means that our emotional brain then is super sensitive and we're being hijacked, meaning that the prefrontal cortex, which is the thinking, planning, executive function part of our brain is no longer online. So you can think of it as the emotional brain and the thinking brain are on a seesaw. When one is working very well, the other one is suppressed. That's generally the pattern. So if you sense that happening in you or in your partner, it would be very wise to call for a timeout. So this will allow either one of you to have a period where the stress hormone can dissipate so that your prefrontal cortex, the thinking brain, can come back online. Now, the important thing about calling a timeout is actually to then also specify a time that you will reconvene. So this is very important because generally, and this is a common pattern, in a partnership, there's one person who really wants to solve the problem there and then, whereas the other person would like to take a timeout. So if the person that takes a timeout just buzzes out the room without saying when she would like to reconvene, then the other partner might feel very abandoned, especially if he grew up in an environment where love was given only conditionally. So only when he's accomplishing something or doing something, for example, for the parents, then the parent gives him reassurance or uh, uh, confirmation, love of some sorts, it's conditional love then he might feel like if they're disagreeing and especially if the partner just leaves a the room, then that's abandonment. So you wanna prevent that kind of situation from occurring. So what you would do is reassuring the partner that I just need to take a time out and I will reconvene with you in two hours at this time in this room. And then we can resume the conversation. That would go a very long way, especially if your partner is of the anxiously attached type. And in general, it's just in conversations, it's very good to continuously bring your partner back to safety. If at any time you feel like the partner is feeling unsafe, which is generally if you sense that they're going into the fight or flight mode, reassure them to say, honey, I just want to let you know that despite the fact that we're having a disagreement now, I love you, I care about you, I respect you, I value you as a person. It may seem very straightforward to you if you are a securely attached person or you come from a very safe environment growing up that this seems unnecessary, right? Just because a person may have done a bad thing doesn't mean that it's a bad person, 
But for people that came from a perhaps a traumatic background, parents that only give out a conditional love, they will need that extra insurance. It will go a long way towards them feeling calm and stable in this type of conflict resolution situation. So proactively reassure your partner. And then the last point that I want to bring across is make sure that whatever you ask of your partner comes across as a request and not a complaint. So you might ask, what's the difference between a request and a complaint? Well, the answer is, you know the difference when you get a no. So let's say that you say, I, hey, honey, I'm not feeling very well. Would you mind picking up the dry cleaning for me today? And your partner says, no, I can't do that because I already have a meeting, et cetera, et cetera. And you immediately get pissy and say, well, you know, you're so selfish. I, I picked it up for you last time. Or you go into moping um, phase, which is like a passive aggressive way of just pouting, not talking to them, just different ways of showing that you're actually not okay with your no, then that's a demand. You're not giving your partner the freedom to be different, to think different, or to say no because they have different needs. So then that's a demand. There is no freedom. Whereas a request is you honor the fact that your partner is a separate individual and they may say no, even if you may be disappointed, you are not going to retaliate. If there's retaliation of any source, then that's a demand and not a request. And why is it important that it be a request and not a demand? Well, love cannot exist when there is no freedom. You cannot compel somebody to care for you or love you. That's slavery, right? Slavery, there's no love. So love can only exist when there is space and when there is freedom, when you give people the freedom to choose. And the answer also becomes very clear when you ask yourself, what do I want the reason to be for my partner to do what I ask? Then it becomes very clear that you want them to do so out of their own willingness and not because they're so afraid of you or they just want to not be bothered by your tirade, etc. So I hope that's helpful that um, when it comes to talking about difficult uh, conflicts, etc., if you can make sure to listen first, to seek to get confirmation from your partner that you really got the issue, to identify recurring issues and solve the problem at the root, and then um, also to call time out when it's necessary, set a reconvene time to reassure each other that you were going to talk again and to reassure each other that just because you have a conflict, it doesn't mean that you love each other any less. These are, will all go a very long way. And the last point, again, is very important, which is make sure that whatever you ask come across as a request and not a demand. And the difference is how you react when the person says no to you. Make sure that you accept it, be gracious about it, and recognize that they're a different individual with their own ideas and ways of thinking that's not always the same as you. That's what keeps the relationship interesting, right? So I hope you find today's conversation helpful. In general, I get a lot of these insights from the women-only coaching group. We have Zoom calls and people ask questions. If you like this type of discussion, it would be great for you to join me, or you can also put in the comments any follow-up questions. A lot of times I look at the follow-up questions and then I would pick a topic and make it a next video. So thanks again, and if you like the video, like and subscribe so you will get the next episode when it comes out. Until then, take care.